everyone. Welcome to Real Real Estate Podcast. This is Ebony. This is Courtney. I'm Kimberly. All right. And we're back with another special episode. Guys, we got some really cool guys to talk to this evening. Mr. Kelvin Williams and Mr. Eric Lockhart, who are two African-American builders here in DFW. But you know, before we introduce them, we got to give you a quote. Today's quote is, when one door closes, buy another one and open yourself. (laughs) That is by unknown, or in this case, with our guest today, if one door closes, build one yourself. Amen? Amen. Let the church speak. Mm -hmm. Man. So as I said, we have some special guests, Mr. Kelvin Williams of KW New Vision Properties and Eric Lockhart of Covenant Homes Construction. Mr. Williams' uh, company, uh, New Vision, was founded in 2000 and has served the Dallas, Texas area for new property and real estate projects through impressive and high quality building standards. Their professional team works closely with both investors and landowners to come up with results that exceed expectations. And Mr. Lockhart's business, Covenant Homes Construction and Renovation, has been serving the DFW Metroplex since 2003. Covenant Homes builds luxury homes with their customers in mind from custom designs tailored to fit needs and amenities that turn homes into ultimate safe havens. So welcome, Kelvin and Eric, to Real Real Estate. We're happy to have you. Hello. Hello. Thank you. Thank you guys for having us on. Appreciate it. Absolutely. So we know you guys are very, very busy, especially given this real estate market. So we're going to be mindful of your time. I'm just going to jump right in with some questions. Can you guys tell us how your careers began? Kelvin, you want to go first? No, I'm going to let Eric go first. You want to let no, Eric wait, go first? Wait, just let us know how you guys, because you guys are related, right? Kind of like a family. That's my, business. So that's my, tell us the background of both of y'all and how you guys, you know, got into bo- to doing this. Well, that's my uncle, so I'll let him go first. Go ahead, Eric. I got involved in real estate actually by, um, I was in the car business at first, and I met a guy bought a few trucks from me named Stacy, And he was actually doing houses, but he was doing it on the level, buying them, renovating them, and then selling them or keeping them as rentals. Uh, he had an interest in the car business. I had an interest in the house business. So we ended up creating two companies, a car dealership, and a um, real estate deal where he taught me the house side and I taught him the car side. And that's that's basically how I got introduced deeper into the industry. Okay, awesome. So you you had a bit of a, a unique entrance. Mr. Kelvin, how about yourself? It's, it's similar. I was in the car business also. And Eric, Eric learned from Stacy, I believe. I think I bought my first property from y'all, right, Eric? If I'm not mistaken. I bought yeah. my first. And then my we had some uncles. Well, my uncle, that's his brother-in-law by marriage, and they, they were doing new construction and building, and they kind of taught me a lot more. Uh, then uh, we took it from there. And I learned from them, and me and Eric kind of linked together later on. Okay, so you guys just jumped right in. Like, you you saw the, the business, you were like, let me get in on this. And how did you start to build your first property, or what got you into on the building side? Because a lot of people, when they they learn about real estate investing, they see the money that could be made. You know, they may flip a house or two, may do some buying holds. But what made both of you decide that you wanted to actually get in on the construction and building side? Um, I think I think exposure, you know, having having family members or friends that was actually in the industry, being able to see it. And then actually, when I built my first house, my brother-in-law served as the GC. 
but I did a lot of the legwork. So when I was able to actually go through the process and kind of get a better feel of what it's like to build, you know, it wasn't so overwhelming. You know, I was like, well, that wasn't as complicated once you learn the process. So I, I would probably say exposure more than anything. You know, I think flipping is a good way to enter it, but on the construction side, it's a little bit more complex if you don't know, but having somebody that's doing it uh, made it a lot easier. And then I think a lot of it on the construction side was just basically diversifying yourself. You know, once you, you know, I did probably flipping for about three years and then being able to enter in on another level so where you can do both just made you a little bit more fluid and diversify your portfolio and, and your opportunities. So I'm still on the flipping side, well, flipping and holding, but new construction is actually one that kind of scares me away because I don't really know anything about it. So I'm kind of where you were, except you had people to show you. So that's that's good. That's really good. You don't meet a lot of, at least we don't, I'm sure in your world it's a little bit different, but we don't meet a lot of, you guys would be our first builders, our first, and we, so far we've only had Black guests. <laughs> so you would be our first builders. And so this is pretty cool to meet two men that are actually out there, you know, building homes. Yeah. So I was I was just going to jump in real quick because um, I had a question about just building. Um, I'm, I sell real estate out here in the Bay Area and I have a couple of new bills that are under contract and they're not delayed, but they're they're just hard to come by, you know, Eb actually kind of teed this up a little bit, but how has uh, this whole COVID with the lumber prices and all this stuff affected you guys with, you know, building homes right now? Like, where how how are things going? Lumber lumber has tripled. It's bad. Let's <laughs> put it yeah. like that. It's very expensive. The same house we probably were getting a lumber package for twelve thousand. Now it's probably twenty four, twenty five thousand there. Uh, so up to thirty seven if you buy from a lumber yard. Yeah, lumber yard. So it, it's ridiculous. Uh, the lumber, lumber supposed to come down next month, but of course the lumber yard's got to get rid of the stuff they already bought. So that's that's not going to trigger down like the two months from now. It, it's 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 crazy. That's just not lumber. Everybody's going up. Sheetrock, uh, everything. Uh, and can you basically? Can you explain to our listeners why lumber is so high? Yeah. Right so now? think about it. Yeah. So think about it like this, right? When you're doing production. You're, you're doing production for also future for, for future time. So when you have a factory that's doing output, let's say they're pushing out 20,000 units and those 20,000 units is going to be used in October. What happened with COVID? When everybody started getting COVID and the warehouses started shutting down, then production also dropped. So where they might have been pushing out 20,000 units, they probably dropped down to where they're only doing 5,000 units, right? But as everything recovered, the, the supply didn't catch up with the demand. The demand was still asking for 20,000 units. Well, we've only been producing 5,000 units because of COVID. And that's why you've seen such a spike in prices because now it's a shortage. You know, you got, you got people wanting to do 100 homes, but we only produced enough material for 50. And until, the, until that production aspect of it catches up, then you won't. Then you'll start seeing the price drop. So it's just it's kind of like a whip effect, right? You know, what happened six months ago is now affecting us today uh, because now we have a shortage. And all I see now is people talking about they building homes, you know. And then everyone I know, I have three friends right now that are building homes, and every single person has been delayed. 
Yeah. So like in Texas, yeah, yeah. So it, it affects everything. You know, if you run short on lumber, then that affects the cabinet guy. You know, if you run short on uh, wire, that's going to affect your electrician. And then you have, like in Texas, you have these storms, right? That storm that hit that ice storm also caused a lot of damage because all the repairs that have to be done to these houses and whatnot is sucking up, you know, all the materials. And then, you know, we had about three weeks worth of rain. So all, you take all that stuff in, into consideration, you know, with delays and, and, and lumber and prices, then it all has an overall effect of what we're seeing now. And then, um, and then you have high demand. You have high demand, especially in Texas. You know, Texas, we have a lot of economic growth. You got a lot of people moving here, um, and you know, and, and that's why it's just it's simple, simple economics, supply and demand. You you got more more demand than than what you have a supply of right now. And and, and another thing is, I hate to be political. Uh, the formal administration didn't have any treaties treaties with Canada, and. 90% of all the lumber mills are in Canada. So that's wow. another. Wow. So if you don't have any regulation on or treaties with another country, which is Canada, they can charge what they want to charge, right? So that's a, that's another big thing people don't think about. But but Eric wrapped he put on this, so he summed it up pretty much in that. But that's a big, big thing people don't know about the lumber treaties. That's interesting. Considering that man was a real estate man, that is absolutely interesting facts. That man is about the dollar dollar, but go ahead though. He's about money. Just little stuff like that you don't know if you're not a politician, you know. To have a staff like that, to have a, a lumber treaty, to have a, a disease control, stuff like that, you know. But we ain't gonna get into that. We're talking about real estate. Nah, that's a that's a very great point. So I guess kind of piggybacking off of what you said, Eric, and also what you said, Kelvin, what are your thoughts about the current real estate market and the market conditions? Like I know, Kelvin, you mentioned that lumber is set to go um, back down a little bit next month. Um, and, you know, there's other things that are in play, like interest rates and things like that. But like, what are y'all seeing as far as demand for, for new construction going into the, the second part of the year? It's still a shortage. It's still in high demand. So I don't think it's going to slow down for another couple of years. Texas, everybody's moving from California and other places here. So it's a, it's a shortage. I don't see it going down. Me personally, I see it going up. This, this is, I've been building for a while, not long as Eric. Well, just about. He got me by a couple of years, but I have never seen the market this good ever. So I don't know. Eric used to be a director at Fannie Mae, so he can tell you more than, more than me. So have you ever seen the market this good, Eric? No, oh, this is crazy. And I don't know that it's necessarily good. Uh, I mean, I think the demand is good. I think the prices, I mean, wow. You know, you, you got an aspect of inflation that's kicking in, right? Uh, yep. and at some point, which makes it a little bit more, if we ever have an economic downturn, it's going to be a little bit more impactful because of how high houses are now. But the only thing is the market is a lot cleaner when you compare this to the crash in 08, you know, which had a lot of, you know, fraud in it. It had a lot of real estate investment in it. It had a lot of rental properties in it. Whereas this is the majority of it is, is cleaner, better regulations, better underwriting, and it's actual purchases. You know, it's just high purchases. So barring any economic turn or any catastrophe like COVID, you know, that's the only thing that can really turn it upside down um, at, at this point. That's a good point when you said comparing it to the crash that it's it's not the same. I feel like the crash, everyone was, you know, inflating their their properties and stuff and over appraising versus this. 
it's causing because of the economy and how the shortages is causing that to happen. So it's not exactly comparable. You know, we, we hear a lot of comparables to the crash and it's, it's not the same. No, so, right. yeah, totally agree with that. I don't know if it's going to crash nearly as bad as, you know, 2008, but I definitely know, I, I completely agree with you that this is going to eventually, it has to come back down at some point. And it's just a matter of how is that going to affect, how is that going to affect the market when it does? You gonna get some. We got a whole bunch of new real estate, you know, agents. Everybody want to be an agent right now. Everybody, <laughs> everybody yeah, gonna last, not gonna last one year. <laughs> right, right. Like after this, is going when they realize that this is not the norm. You gonna have to go back to your job. <laughs> well, you, I, I think I think the market will kind of like people was doing like modifications on their home that wasn't working. That's what's gonna hurt it later on when they got to catch up on those payments and they deferred all those payments. They don't want. They can't. They can't qualify for the modification and all that. That's what's gonna hurt. Not. I don't think the building aspect will hurt, but that's what's gonna hurt to me. My personal opinion. Yeah, that's a great point. We've yet to see what's gonna happen on the back end with all those loan modifications and the forbearances and things like that. Yeah. But you know, the banks gonna get their money one way or another. Yeah, they try to re 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 modify their loan. They don't qualify, so you know, they say, "Hey, you wouldn't work." They said that, you know, like for us who, you know, on the investment side and you looking for foreclosures, I guess that's a good thing right now. I feel like there's a two-way street though. Foreclosures are not coming back anytime soon, right? For right now, because no. they're not, nobody's foreclosing at the moment. But then on the flip side, for people who are, would normally qualify to buy their first home are not being able to do so. And when they are coming in to do so, they have to come in with an offer that's What's the average, Courtney? What is it? Well, in Cali, what is it? Twenty or thirty percent higher than the asking price? That's Texas oh, too. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, I was yeah. about to give a numerical amount, but that wasn't going to be the same. So that's why I was like, wait, let me change the percentage because out <laughs> there where she is, it's going to be you know astronomical difference in the number amount versus here in Texas. But oh, yeah, yeah, no, she's in San Jose at that, so <laughs> she that's expensive. But yeah, I, I just. I feel like that, you know, it's kind of a disadvantage for the people who can't play right now. Um, you know, first time home buyers are, you know, some of them are having to sit and wait and some of them are having to stay and rent longer. How does that affect you guys' business as far as, uh, you know, new builds and people qualifying? Go ahead, Eric. I'm not running to none of those problems, but go ahead. <laughs> I mean, you know, for the simple fact with the demand so high, so because the demand is so high, we really don't uh run into that issue right now you know the city the city and the different municipalities are stepping in you know through land banks and through hud trying to create affordable housing you know which has income restrictions to give an opportunity for people uh at certain income levels not necessarily low income but even affordable to your point you know a, a single person they may have a great job, but with the prices of houses, you know, it's hard for them to afford a house. So you have different entities from that standpoint that's in play, that's leaving that segment of houses to make it affordable for people to buy. And then on the flip side, you have the millenniums right now, which are really not active home buyers. You know, rentals, renting apartments is a big thing in Texas. Matter of fact, I think Texas lead the nation uh, in, in the number of leases on, on apartments. So this new age is very flight adverse. They, they're willing to move. So they're not looking to go buy a house in the suburbs. They want that sky rise. They want that apartment. They want to be able to be fluid. So that's probably helping more than hurting uh, on the housing market right now. 
That's an interesting take. Uh, I'm a, I'm a millennial. I'm a part of that. Like I'm having to rent longer because the the properties are just. I'm not going to pay. I'm not. I don't want to buy at the top of the market. So I'm having to rent a little bit longer. But um, I didn't think about the fact like people like me are probably keeping demand a little bit more normal uh, than it would be. And I do like my high rise. Quick question though. Back on the career side of being a home builder. If somebody does want to become a builder and wants to get in that game, what would be your advice? Like, I can imagine probably the first step is to find somebody who's doing it, right? <laughs> and, yeah, and, yeah. And, yeah. Yep. But outside of that, what's kind of the career path for being a home builder? I, I think, you know, a lot of people look at things from a money perspective, but you're going to have some have some type of interest in this. You know, you're going to have to have some type of passion. And like you said earlier, everybody want to be a realtor right now, but you know, there's a big difference in a good realtor and a bad realtor. Just like there's a big difference in a good lawyer and a bad lawyer. Just because you're a lawyer doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be successful, you know? So you can't pick an area or a career because you think that area or career makes money. Because if you're not good at it and have no passion, you're not going to be productive. And you're not going to be fruitful. You're going to be broke, right? But, but I think what you said earlier is the understatement, you know? You can't be what you can't see. And, and, and the best way to get in this business is to find somebody that's in this business. Hey man, shadow. Hey, can I, you know, can I spend some time with you? Can I, you know, give, can I just shadow, man? I give you a whole week. I give you a whole month. Just come out, help you on your job sites just to get a better insight of what's going on because it's really not a book. You know what I mean? And I think it was important with me. I used to go to all those little real estate seminars and, you know, and they give you all this mumbo jumbo, $99 buy this book. And it really, having somebody that's in it, I think that was beneficial for me with meeting Stacy. Knowing somebody's actually doing this was was totally different than trying to go to a workshop, read a book, and all that crap. I agree with everything you just said. It's, it's all about exposure. I, I would suggest somebody to get with somebody, be an asset, not a liability. We can be a, form, a foreman to learn the business on the job. You know, We, we got people now that we work with, they're, they're foremans. They're actually learning the business as they go. And some of them work for free and some of them get a pay. You know, that's what I would advise you. I wouldn't just advise you to just jump out there and buy a lot and don't know anything. You, you'll get towed up. Excuse my language. <laughs> so no. That's real. Can you guys share maybe like a story so we can kind of appreciate the risk that comes along with being a builder? Kelvin, I heard you say, don't go buy a lot and just jump in. Like, what is what is some of the risk that's associated with, with your amount of work? Speaking of, speaking of lots, you might buy a lot and you think you got a great lot and you come to find out you have no utilities on that lot. <laughs> you got no water, no sewer. And if in some cities, you got to do the whole street. You're talking about fifty dollars to $100,000. You think you won with a $20,000 lot, you really lost. Me personally, as a builder, I bought some lots that I can't use. I'm sitting on two of them in the flood plan. You got to do your homework and your research. You know, you got to check and see if it's in the flood plan. You got utility asset with a zone for stuff like that. You know, you can't be a hardhead in this business. You got to ask questions and learn. That's something I would have never thought about because I thought all lots didn't have utilities. <laughs> I would never even know that. I would never even know if I tried to get in and buy a lot. Oh, it needs to have utilities on there. Oh, yeah, because there's gas, there's electricity, all of that. <laughs> You yep, don't have. You have to do the whole block. Absolutely. You don't have water sewer. You got to do the whole block. So you're gonna spend hundred grand. So and that's probably on the cheap end. 
So how do you know where, how do you know, or say right now in the Dallas area, what area is popping where you would be like, oh, I'm going to go get a lot over there? Well, of course, Oak Cliff. Uh, Oak Cliff. my hood. Pleasant Grove, 223. I know the zip codes. I just say 223-752-244-752-8, Bishop Arts area, 75, what else, Eric? 223-217. It's Dallas DFW is just really banging in general. And how you. do you know how to price them out? You know, like location. I ain't seen a question for hundred thousand in two years now. It's all two hundred and better actually in new, in new construction. So it's, it's location. So you know, yeah. So you know the three most important things in real estate is location, location, and location. And as a builder, you have to build based off of the location. So you don't you don't build cookie cutter, right? You don't just have a blueprint and say I'm gonna put this blueprint wherever I build. If you end up getting a lot in Highland Park, then you're probably going to build a $1.5 million house. You know, so the house that you build in the inner city of Oak Cliff, that's $250,000, that wouldn't be the same house that you would build in Plano. That wouldn't be the same house that you would build in Frisco. So you build based off of the location. And what you have, how you realize what's selling, you have what's called comps. So everybody knows somebody that's a realtor, right? So when you find a lot, the first thing you want to know is what's the comps in this area. So the comps basically tell you these are the type of houses that are selling. These are the size of the houses that are selling. And this is how much the houses are selling. So that way, you know, you know, if the average comp for this area is 3000 square feet and that's what's selling fast, you wouldn't go in that area and build a 5000 square foot house. You know what I'm right. saying? So right. basically, the comps is your data that you can get from any realtor. You can get it, hell, you can get it off of Zillow. You can get it off of Redfin. You can get it off of any of these sites to know what's in this area and what's selling, you know, and that kind of dictates what you're going to end up building in that particular area. So is the rule of thumb, though, um, still, I think lots are, what, 10% of the the price of a house, of the comps in the area? Rule of thumb. From a rule of thumb, yes. Rule of thumb. But that, that can vary. Depends on, once again, depends on the location. Right. I've learned so much. So so now I know to keep my eyes open for a lot, but if I find a lot to find out about the utilities and the call of yeah, a and, but you can't, yeah, but you Bowling can't, too. and all you got to do, you can call on the utility piece, all you got to do is call your local uh, city where they do permits and stuff, the utility side of it, and just mm. ask for a water and sewer map to, to make sure that, that that lot has water and sewer. Then you can also go on FEMA's website and actually put the address in and see whether or not it's in the floodplain. Right. So all that stuff is readily available from a computer because, you know, only thing about this business in real estate, you snooze, you lose. So you you don't, you don't have time if you see something pop up because people are selling for whatever reason. You know, they might've got a divorce, you know, the grandparents died, you know, they just put the lot out there. It's not gonna sit. If it's worth anything, it's not gonna sit long. So if you come across it, you don't have you don't have two to three days to go research. You know what I'm saying? That's something that you got to hop on pretty fast and try to get under contract like immediately. That's why you got. That's why you got to learn areas where you build and where you when you uh, construct that. Cause you got a date, a day. I, I say that day or two days if a lot pop up on MLS to buy. If you if you don't get it between that day and that second day, it's gone. How do you guys usually source your lots? Is it from the MLS or do you work with real estate investors, like wholesalers? Yeah, MLS, we got notifications on our phone, certain areas, lots pop up, stuff like that. Eric, I heard, I saw you shaking your head. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, you know, everything everything in this world is about diversification and, and networking. You have to build your own 
network. You know, you got to connect. You know, you have people that sit at home all day and all they do is go through data, find lots that, that are, you know, tax liens, you know, trying to find the owner, get them under contract, then try to flip it. That some would never, ever hit MLS. Some of your best deals are going to be wholesale. Because yeah, once yeah. you go MLS, you're dealing with the general public. That thing is out there publicly and, you know, it is going to go crazy. So some stuff you'll get from MLS, some stuff you'll get from wholesalers, some stuff you'll get from people just calling you from a sign that, hey, they decide they want to sell their lot. Some stuff you'll see them put up for sale by owner and you jumped on it. So you want to have probably, hell, as many different avenues or lanes to get access to, to lots and houses that you can possibly produce. Wholesalers got the best deals going right now, to be honest with you. They got all the inventory right now on the lots. All of it, including our favorites, Eb. I see. Okay, guys. So we're going to try to wrap things up really quick. We just have a few more questions. Um, it's been a long year and some change. You know, one thing we like to ask here is what keeps you going? What keeps you motivated to 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 keep on your grind? So if you guys have some advice or books you want to share, we're open well, to you, Just like Eric, Eric stated earlier, you got to really love what you do. You got to really like this. I love doing this. I love getting up in the morning. I love taking something to, to nothing. I like to see people buying their first house. I, I do a lot of inner cities. We do we do suburbs too, but it's a, it's a gratification to, to build a house where you came up at your old stubborn grounds and do a new house. You might sell a house, single mother with kids, you know, family. That's my motivation. I just love, I love it. You know, you gotta, you gotta love this. And that's, that's what you got to love. And that's my motive. That's my motivation of doing this and teaching. Like I bring other guys on and show them real estate and show them how to build. They take like a, you know, mentorship and work for me. Then I send them on their way. I didn't did three guys like that. So in my family and friends, that's, that's my motivation. Eric? I think on one end, just like anything else, you know, you got to have a, you got to have a plan, right? What's your plan? You know, um, are you just going to jump in this because it's hot right now? And then what's going to happen when it fizzles? So you kind of, jump in, take advantage of a hot moment and also build something that's going to last longer. If this, you know, so having lofty goals, you know, as we come in at this point, you know, we're looking to open up subdivisions, you know, and and then you take subdivisions, you can go all over the state, you can go all over the country. Once yes. you set you up, set yourself up from a subdivision standpoint, building commercial lots, building mixed use buildings, building things that regardless of what happened with the economy, that's going to last because, you know, it's going to have equity and it's going to it's going to be bringing in income. So trying to just really put yourself in a position to where if this thing fizzle out, you're going to still be relative because of how you diversified and took advantage of the moment versus just chug a lugging, you know, a, a moment and make a lot of money and then it's gone and you you left nothing that's going to last. So. And I have a quick question I love to ask every guest. Do you guys personally, we have some that do and some that don't, but do you guys personally, outside of building homes, do investment properties as well or have investments? And if so, what are those investments? Like, what is your lane? Are you doing rentals? Are you just doing flips? Are you strictly just building homes? I got a, I got a couple. I got a couple, but I, I want, I'm like Eric said, my, my goal is to do townhouses, commercial and stuff like that. That's my goal. Mm -hmm. I, I did that five or ten, six houses. That didn't work out for me. I didn't like the headache. You know, that's somebody's, you know, lane. That's not my lane. I, I, I want more to be on the more commercial side. It's good to know stuff. your lane. <laughs> yeah, you got to know yeah. your lane. That's yeah. why my uncle, he's better talking than me. 
I know my lane. Go ahead. <laughs> now you want you 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 want that cash flow, you know? Whether I mean, it, I started out. I had like ten rental properties. That, you know, when I first came in this, yeah, I, I didn't really like the the residential rental piece of it, even though I do have some residential homes that I own. Uh, but I do like the commercial piece, you know, and, and, and being in it as long as we're in it, you know, being able to build apartments, which is the same stream, right? But you multiplying it. If I do residential, it needs to be duplex, you know, fourplex or oh, yeah. an apartment complex. But now you got 20, 30, 40 units uh, and then commercial buildings where, you know, you, you know, you got you got commercial property and commercial leases, which which last longer and are a little bit more profitable. And they're able to to weather the economic storms a lot better and it's a little less turnover. So if you're gonna do it, you know, do it where you can get as, as you know multiplicity. So a duplex, if one side goes empty, you still produce an income on the other side. So I like that. I, I'm I'm in real estate classes right now, and I'm starting to see like commercial is definitely more my speed on the. I want to develop affordable housing long term, and so I know I need to stay in that lane. But to your point, like how you just said about with duplexes, even if one side isn't producing income, you still have another side. And it is, it's about multiplying that. And I think for some reason, like Dallas has a shortage of multifamily properties. Like it's either these big apartment complexes or it's like, you know, that suburban sprawl. So there's definitely a lot of opportunity to build those kind of like mid-sized multifamily properties. So. And at the, at, the end of the day, at the end of the day, all of it has synergy, right? So you can yeah. come in five different ways. So whichever way you come in, come in that's that's the main thing get in you yeah. know there's there's something yeah. to be said being in the business whether you're doing flips whether you're doing you know commercial whether you're doing residential once you in and you master that lane you know it gives you an opportunity to automatically synergize and flip into another one you know and it's just something about you know if you're gonna do it do it right like me personally and i not and, and i get people doing you know real estate on the side but I, I don't deal with a part-time realtor because if this is not what you do full-time, if you don't believe in yourself hundred percent, I'm not fit to invest, you know, my heart and sweat into somebody that's doing it on the side. It's something to be said about taking that leap, taking that jump and getting in it. You talked about how we get deals. You know, a lot of deals come from because of who you met. It comes from a realtor. It comes from a phone call. It comes from somebody like I said, they saw your sign or you sold their family this. It's something to be said about being in it. And you can't you can't predict it. There's no book. You can't say where it's coming from. It's just going to happen because as you get in this, you create connections, you create relationships, you network. And from that, your phone just goes crazy because of, of those relationships that never would have happened if you stayed on that job nine to five. Now, staying on that job to get started is great. But at some point, you're going to have to shift if you really want to get deep in this. Now, real estate is cool because you don't have to be in it full time to make money from it. You know what I'm saying? You can still be an investor. You can still you can still buy, but you won't be able to do it on a global scale, given 10 percent. You give 10 percent, 20 percent energy, you're going to get 10 percent, 20 percent return. You give 100 percent, 100 percent effort, you're going to get 100 percent return. Well, that's a mic drop right mic there. Drop, yeah. <laughs> drop the mic right there. We that's the collection plate. I yeah. brought them down too, right? <laughs> <laughs> but this is really good because a lot of our listeners are, you know, novice or beginning uh, investors and they're, they're still trying to figure out our lane, their lanes. So it's the same with my, I think all of us, like my husband and I, 
he he has a different lane than what I have, but we still work as a company because um, I'm not big on rentals. You know, I'd rather owner finance those things out. But, you know, at the end of the day, we just kind of make it work. But like you said, it's just knowing your lane and the synergy that you give it. Man, that was deep. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Okay. Time for some fun questions, right? All right. Fun questions. So oh, we Lord. have we have a little thing that we like to call rapid fire. One of these days, we're going to get some music to go off when we start doing rapid fire questions. But basically, what we like to do is just ask some just fun questions and you just tell us the first thing that comes to your mind, right? Okay. <laughs> PG, we got some people listening to this with kids in the car, so. <laughs> okay, so I'm going to go first. It is hot in Texas. I have my way of beating the heat, so. Real quick, it's 100 degrees outside. What are you doing to keep cool? Gatorade and water. <laughs> Gatorade and water. And stand out stand in my truck on the job site. In the truck, okay. Yeah. Can't hide out. Eric, what about you? Khaki shorts and flip-flops. <laughs> not, not in no job site. You got to be ventilated. <laughs> he said not in no yeah. job site. <laughs> Need to write oh, a book for all these people. Them, them, them jeans shorts in 105, they they hug you. Cargo, yeah. baby. Get you some cargo shorts. Cargo. Oh, he took it way I, back I, with them cargo shorts. <laughs> Job I, have, I have some people who have like the little personal fans. They need to write like a self-help book for all these new people to text us on how to beat the heat. So we'll tell them cargo shorts and flip-flops. If you're born here, you're used to it though. It's very true. You gotta stay stay hydrated. You gotta stay hydrated. So I don't get it right. Yeah, you got to. All right, I'll go next. So you're closing the deal. Big deal. What are you listening to? Woo! Jay-Z. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's me for the save. On to the next. So what's the what's the top? You got all these albums, and I only know if you're a real Jay-Z fan, if you put the top, the, the albums in order. One, two, three, go. Blue, well, I don't know the order. I just know Blueprint One, Blueprint Two, Blueprint Three, <laughs> and I'm a and I'm a late Jay Z fan, so I, I'm not the one. I'm probably Jay Z last mm, five years, five seven years. And once he got what he got, say he started making good music. <laughs> now he's always making good music. I just I, I, was, I was just a late comer to it. I just didn't appreciate it at the time because I wasn't one one of the one one of the best albums Jay Z ever made to me. Is the what's the soundtrack one? King one Kingdom Come. What's the one? The soundtrack Frank Frank Lucas soundtrack. Oh, American Gangster. Oh man, yeah. that's a bad album. I listen to yeah. that a lot. I'm gonna get very close to deal right there. Yeah. I like that. American Gangster. I love that album. That's a slept <laughs> on. Yeah, it was it was a slept on album. That was that's a bad one. Even the movie was slept on, in my opinion. But yeah. I love that movie. I watched it all. <laughs> yeah. No, it's been great. So another thing is, you know, do, are you guys into into the into the two? You guys watch TV a little bit or no? Mm, somewhat. When I get home, somewhat. Sports. What's the movie that you're not gonna pass oh. up that you've seen a million times? Say it again. A movie that you're not gonna pass up that you already seen a million times. You're gonna watch it. Coming to coming to American Trading Places, baby. That's my favorite. <laughs> you been back to trading places. That's yeah, old that was, the 80s. I like old movies like Eddie Murphy was my guy back in the day. Eddie Murphy was a man. Yeah. Did you like, like the best metal? Man. Best man. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay, best man. 
No, I'm, I'm watching Come to America. I think of you. But Kelvin, I was going to ask, did you like the new Coming to America? No, but if 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 you're a Coming to America fan, I liked it, but it wasn't better than the first one. Never no, I didn't think so either. Uh, if, no. if, if you if you the end parts was good when they brought uh Randy 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 Davis back and Keisha the uh, twin that was fun you know but yeah. I'm, I'm a uh, I, I I'm I'm a movie buff I I I mean you can't top the first one but I think they could have did better than than what they did on the second one I think they could have went more original fed off of it it was I don't know I was I was disappointed yeah like the production it. quality wasn't that great. No. Yeah, but that was, that was a hard task to even mess with it. And if, but if you are gonna mess with it, you gotta really come with it. Yeah, this should. And it, it, it just. Uh, it was a good yep. opportunity though to teach younger generations about yep. Eddie Murphy and about you know older movies and how we were we were doing our thing. And this this was a good opportunity to, to teach them and show them that. Yeah. And then I got one more. I like Life. Life is my one of my favorites. The Life. I can watch that. Movie. A million and ten one-liners from that movie alone. Yeah, yes, yes, yes. It's one of my favorites. Yeah. Well, this has been uh, this has been a pleasant. I will. I don't want to say surprise, but this has been a pleasant uh, time meeting you guys and, and just sharing the nuggets with you. I really appreciate it. I agree with ninety-nine point nine of the stuff you guys said on here. Just coming from uh, real estate out here, and man, you guys got to come back on and, and teach us what's what's going to happen post. Post-COVID, when we get out of this, you know, come back and give us an update. No doubt. Will do. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Thank you guys for having us on. I enjoyed it. This was this was enjoyable. Thanks, Thanks guys. guys. All right. Bye. We'll see y'all later. All right. All right. Bye. 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 Bye.